Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, partner in crime, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire via USA Today, Mr. James Johnson. Jay, it's really good to get back with you here this week and talk to a little free agency because, of course, there is a whole lot of excitement swirling around this team when it comes to the free agency period. Yeah, man, it's an exciting time to be a Jaguars fan. I mean, you see all the memes and all the videos floating around on Twitter. The lady from Dave Chappelle saying it's poor people around, you know. <laughs> Shout out to Cap. Can't relate. <laughs> um, because, you know, the Jazz are, you know, projected to lead the league in salary cap. And, uh, you know, it kind of feels like 2017 all over again a little bit, if you ask me. Uh, except for, I guess we're coming off a way worse season than we were in 2016. We only got one win to our name. But, I mean, it feels like, you know, they can make significant improvements over a short amount of time, especially with Trevor Lawrence coming into the picture. So, yeah, I can't wait. I mean, we're not necessarily going to do uh, like we initially planned. But uh, we're kind of just going to do a rundown of some of the top names that have been associated with the Jazz free agency-wise, which is going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to get this thing on the road, man. Absolutely. And it'll be fun to look back here in a few months, you know, here at these predictions and see how spot on we were. Not necessarily just about if, if the Jaguars were able to sign these guys, but maybe it's more so the money, uh, as Jay and I have been kind of working, working on that in terms of what these guys may uh, garner in terms of uh, money and free agency. So we're really excited to get to that here in just a moment. Before we begin, we want to remind you guys, if you are enjoying the show, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review, as well as subscribing. That is one of the best ways you can support the show. We are also on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can reach out to the show on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at Sports Grind underscore Don. And really quick, Jay, before we start, we have to give a shout out to our first sponsor, which of course is betonline.ag. You know, football may be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. And Jay, you know, I like to bring up wrestling all the time when it comes to bet online. They currently have lines out on AEW Revolution, which of course is this Sunday. Um, they got some of the some of the numbers out here. Uh, Darby Allen and Sting are actually the favorites over Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, which makes sense. But you know what? I feel like I might put some money down on those underdogs there. I'm really, really high on Team Taz right now. Of course, John Moxley is the underdog against Kenny Omega, uh, plus 325 over there. Don't think we're going to see any surprises, but hey, you never know. Or if you want to throw some money down on Chris Jericho and MJF, the underdogs for the tag team championships, you can do that as well. I think the Young Bucks are a little bit overrated, not to break the internet, but I think Chris Jericho and MJF have a good chance there. But those are just an exa a small example of some of the bets you can throw down 
over at Bet Online. Heck, guys, Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. They have hundreds of props with real time odds on almost anything you can imagine, as I just mentioned with the wrestling and, of course, the 24 hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. But all right, Jay, let's get to this list. We're going to do three offensive and three defensive targets here. We're going to start with the defense, and I'm going to rattle off a few names here. Uh, the number one guy that I have on my list that I want to talk to you about is Matthew Judon from the Baltimore Ravens. His free agency rank on PFF is 75, and he had a 66 overall PFF grade last season. I'm going to read you guys here what PFF says about Judon. Uh, there's an element to Judon's game that screams, quote, buyer beware, as he has had high sack totals and good, not great, pass rush grades over the past three seasons. The Ravens' blitz-happy scheme certainly helps create mismatches and unblock pressures, but even with those factored in, Judon has an above-average pass rush grade over the past three years. The caveat is the expectation that he'll become a 10-sack guy in any system. Judon fits best as a situational rusher who can take advantage of mismatches and be used as a pass rush slash spy weapon against athletic quarterbacks. So, Jay, we put Judon on the list, of course, because of his familiarity with our brand new defensive coordinator. So when you look at Judon, you know, how does it break down in terms of fit with the scheme as well as maybe what he's going to be making if he were to end up signing here? So, yeah, as you said, you know, there's the familiarity with Joe Cullen and uh, that system and what have you. So, you know, that's what you want to target here, because when you look at the Jaguars defense, what they were ranked almost last in a lot of key categories. So what you want to do is probably bring some of those guys that are familiar with Cullen's system over uh, to help the uh, what what pieces we do have. I mean, the, the defense isn't necessarily bare so to speak, but uh, it does need a lot of work. And I, I guess the better word to use is it needs more experience. And Judon has plenty of experience. So, you know, he's a guy uh, that can enter, you know, that group of pass rushers with the Jacksonville Jaguars with, um, they already have Caleb on Chase Sun. They already have Josh Allen. So like, he might not be a top tier pass rusher or whatever the case may be. That's fine in the Jacksonville Jaguars case for this reason. You're hoping that that is what Josh Allen is. You're hoping that's what Kayla Von Chason is for the team. You're not getting Matthew Judon to be your top pass rusher, probably. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, that's not what you're doing. I mean, yeah, it'll cost you some money, of course, because it is free agency. Uh, but you're bringing him more so in to help out that rotation and more so to help out Kayla Von and, and Josh Allen in terms of getting the scheme down pat and just having that veteran presence because what we saw if you can recall in 2020, uh, you know, Josh Allen and, and Caleb on struggled, but specifically Josh Allen, because he was here uh, before that uh, or before 2020. But what you saw is Josh Allen struggling without Calais Campbell. And you saw him struggle without Yannick and Gakwe on the other side and this, that, and the other. So, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's more so a deal where the Jacksonville Jaguars could, and we don't know if this is going to be the case, but they're probably going to be looking at somebody to, uh, help out in terms of that pass rush so it's not solely falling on Josh Allen or Caleb Vaughn so when you look at the figures what we came away with as a figure and look now we're not Trent Baalke and we're not Tom Gamble we're not cap experts here but the figure we came away with uh, we based this kind of off of Chandler Jones's contract a little bit if you will four years 16.3 million 
And uh, that's a little less than Chandler Jones makes on average. And it's a little bit more than Melvin Ingram makes on average, if you want to gauge where that's at. So those are the two contracts we use there. Uh, that'll guarantee right around $32 million. So uh, that's a deal that, you know, if the Jaguars want to go that route, if they want somebody familiar with the system, that's one that probably won't hurt them all that much because, as we said, they're dealing with, what, $82-plus million in cap space. Yeah, definitely a name I think a lot of us have to keep an eye on. The other guy that I had on this list was also from – or that I thought about putting on the list was his teammate, Tyus Bowser, because I just kind of wonder how the Ravens are going to prioritize Bowser, Jan, and Judon. You know, I think probably one of those guys – is on the outside looking in and, you know, maybe it is uh, Judon because he is a little bit older than, than Bowser and, and Jan as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Like you said, Jay, you want to bring in somebody that's familiar with the scheme. So when you take that into effect on a scale from one to 10, you know, how, how good of a fit do you think that is on the defensive side? Yeah. And I'll say this too. Like, I think what it could boil down to now, I had this conversation, I think it was with um, Matthew Stevens, the Ravens wire manager, um, or it was somebody I had this conversation with. Who do I think the Ravens were prioritizing in terms of those pass rushes they had to keep? And at first, I said Judon, but the more and more I thought about it, the thing about it is the Ravens gave up picks for Yan. So, like, to give up picks for Yan and then let him go the following year, especially when he wants to be there, he's made it clear. He made that clear when he, he was here in Jacksonville that he wants to be back home, which that he's from that area. Uh, you got to keep Yan of if you want to prioritize, you know, the three. Yan probably is the guy you want to keep because, again, you gave up, what, a third-round pick or something like that for him and some change. Uh, so, yeah, you, I definitely could see uh, Judon being the one to get the boot, especially with Judon. As Phil said, he's uh, older than Yan, if I can recall. Um, I think Phil said that. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of uh, what was your other question? So if you were to rank it on a scale from 1 to 10, of course, with his familiarity with the – uh, with the system already, where would you put it on a scale from one to 10? Oh yeah. I definitely say, you know, in terms of familiarity with the scheme, I would say I put it at a 10 because he's been there all of the years. Joe Cullen has been there, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, So yep. it's been what, four or five years and Joe Cullen has been there since 2016. Uh, so like they pretty much been there together. I think Cullen might've been there a little longer than him or um, if my math is right, but still nonetheless, like they've been matched up during their times there for the most part. Uh, so, yeah, he's pretty familiar with what's going on there. And I think from that standpoint, you got to consider him if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, you know, you want to be – just because you got $82 million, me and you said this too, you want to be responsible as well. Uh, but you also have to understand it's free agency. You're going to overpay people. That's just what it is. You know, Exactly. Whether you're the Jaguars or whatever team, these guys are going to get, you know, more than they should because – uh, you have competition to bid with, and that's going to make the price go up a little higher than expected. Exactly. So let's move into the next uh, uh, the next player here on our list, Jay, and that is Leonard Williams. He is ranked 19th as far as the free agency rankings for PFF. He had a 79.8 uh, PFF grade last year. That was with 803 snaps. Here is what PFF has to say about Leonard Williams. One of the surest bets in the class, Williams has graded between 70 and 82 in all six years of his career. Run defense is his calling card. He ranks in the 86th percentile in PFF run defense grade since entering the league and with his best work coming as a B and C gap defender. 
Williams is an average pass rusher. And even with career high 13 sacks this season, he's yet to break a 72 pass rush grade for his career. Still, Williams has been one of the most valuable interior defensive linemen in the league since 2015. And his level of consistency is a plus for potential suitors. So Jay, Leonard Williams is a name that we've been hearing about a lot. And I think someone that would just fit in perfectly with what the Jaguars are trying to do in terms of the defensive side and also just getting better. What they mentioned here at that, that run defense, which has just been terrible. Yeah. As we saw under uh Todd watch the Jacksonville Jaguars were not that good on uh, especially against the run. I think they were 31st, if I can recall correctly uh, against the run, which is, you know, that's terrible. That's got to get better. And you would think, being the kind of guy that Joe Cullen is, we've talked about Joe Cullen in the past. Austin Lane has talked about him and came on this show as well. Uh, Joe Cullen probably immediately came here, looked at the film on the Jacksonville Jaguars and saw the yards they were giving up on the ground and probably threw up. You know, just, that's, just how, <laughs> that's just how Cullen is. Like, it probably made him sick. And, uh, yeah, that, that'll be a priority, you know, for them is to, you know, stop the run, uh, because, I mean, just by doing that alone, even though, you know, the this game is a, a pass-happy league as well, but by stopping the run, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you've already significantly improved the defense uh, to a big degree. Then you can, you know, you know, you can start working on the pass rush and get into the quarterback, which that's something that Joe Cullen also, uh, you know, is high on as well. Not saying he prioritizes one over the other, but, uh, yeah, in terms of Leonard Williams, man, like, to me, He's probably the number one guy. If he hits the open market, that's that's the key here. I, I don't know if he will. And, and first and foremost, I'll say this to Jags fans for Leonard Williams. Our hope for Leonard Williams hitting the free agency market lies on David Gettleman, who is the Giants GM. And I say that in a sense that let's just hope that David Gettleman, because I guess some people like in the past have said he's kind of like frugal and he doesn't want to pay players that, have, uh, you know, deserve whatever contract, X amount of dollars, whatever the case may be. Let's just hope David Gettleman is being super frugal and uh, <laughs> don't want to end up paying Leonard Williams. But the issue with that still is, like, they still might franchise him. So, you know, like, you got to worry about that. But then again, like, you know, just what you hear about David Gettleman at times, at least what you hear about David Gettleman, maybe they too cheap to franchise him too. You, you never know. But. We'll see. Uh, the issue is, look, they gave up picks for Leonard Williams. Again, going back to the Yannick and Ngakwe, Ngakwe situation, when you give up picks for a player, you typically try and do everything in your power to keep them. Um, but at the same time, and Leonard Williams has said this, I forgot what article I read this in, um, but he said, look, I'm not going to give these guys a discount, you know, just because they traded for me or whatever the case may be. And uh, you can't blame him because he's a young man that needs to earn every dollar or, or get every dollar he can while he's in the league because he has a family to feed and you want generational wealth. So all of that said, with Leonard Williams, what you're looking at is a um, deal similar to Chris Jones's deal. We all know he's with the Kansas City Chiefs. That averages $20 million for, uh, over four years. So that's $80 million. So, you know, like how does the NFL works? You try and top the next guy, basically. So you would say uh, four years, 82, 83 million, you know, uh, and then by the way, the Jaguars, uh, the, the city of Jacksonville and the state of Florida don't have state income taxes. So that's even a little bit more money, by the way. So that's something to throw in there. And then, yeah, uh, just based off of what Chris Jones made in my notes here, I said uh, guarantee Leonard Williams about 39 million. 
of um you know the four years so that you know in terms of the guarantees over four years that's about 10 million dollars a year which you know he's he's the guy that i think he'll be successful in joe cullen's scheme and they've said it look we're gonna scheme this this defense around what we have okay so they're gonna do their best to put all of these guys in the best situation so i don't think we got to worry about that and i think you know leonard williams would be well worth it and you know, of all of the free agents on the list that we were going to name in period in general, I think Leonard Williams is the guy that should be number one on the Jags board. Again, it's a matter of if the Giants will let him go, which I would say is probably not a high, but we'll be watching him closely the next few weeks or days or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I am right there with you. Leonard Williams, if he hits the market again, is at the top of my list for sure. Uh, right up there with some of the other names that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. But uh, he would, like I said, damn near most likely be number one uh, in terms of also the same question, you know, Jay scheme fit. Uh, he just, does he just fit right in here? Slide right in immediately on a scale from one to 10 to see another 10. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, of course he doesn't have the familiarity with Cullen like Judon does. So, I mean, like, I guess you can't say he's a perfect fit, but um, again, you know, when they get these guys, they're going to cater the scheme towards these guys as opposed to the other way around and try and make them fit into what they do. And another thing I wanted to add to, man, just like, can you imagine this, Phil? Leonard Williams next to Devon Hamilton. Those two next to each other and maybe like Doug Costin being the other defensive end, man. I was going to say, and then rotating Costin in and out. Yeah, yeah. man, that would be, again, back to the, the days where we had Darius as well as um, Malik Jackson and man, just rotating those guys in and out, you know, the Jaguars have been synonymous, you know, even, even though there have been gaps, they've been synonymous with a very, very strong interior line, you know, going back all the way to Stroud and Henderson, you know, so this would definitely be a, a huge get. And again, right there at the top of my list in terms of uh, in, in terms of rankings uh, for us here. Let's get to the last defensive guy here, Jay. And this is a spot for those of you that are wondering when you hear this name, this is a spot where we did consider putting Shaq Barrett. Uh, and what Jay and I had kind of really discussed is, is Shaq Barrett going to be worth the kind of money that you're going to, that he's going to demand. You know, you see this, this rush on players right after the Super Bowl. you see it happen every single year and Shaq Barrett's going to command a lot of money. And if, if you look at the, the body of work that Shaq Barrett has put up, you know, it, it's not necessarily uh, up there with, you know, like a, a, like a Bosa or, you know, top tier pass rusher. So we decided to not put him on this list um, because he is going to, he is looking to break the bank. He is looking to pull in a lot of money, which again, he is absolutely more than, you know, more, more than capable of doing and deserves to do because like Jay just mentioned, generational wealth is what all these guys are, are aspiring to get we put marcus williams here third in our list of course safety uh, from the new orleans saints the saints as uh, jay mentioned this before we started the saints have expressed interest in in retaining him how the hell are you going to do that in new orleans <laughs> you're not going to be able to uh, we know that they are in the opposite the opposite situation of us but marcus williams is ranked 15th in pff's free agency list 78.6 pff grade last season uh, just a year removed from an 88.2, which of course is outstanding. Uh, so let me read you, uh, read you guys here what PFF says about Marcus Williams. Since entering the league in 2017, Williams has ranked near the top of the league in every significant category for safeties. He has a coverage grade that ranks in the 90th percentile to go with the highest rate of forced incompletions. Williams is also a solid run defender and with skills to fit as a free safety in any scheme. 
I mean, come on. If you were if you were writing a some if you wanted to lay out some sort of uh, some sort of template for what the Jaguars needed safety, it's just this. It's what I, what I just read for you from Marcus Williams. So Jay, what are the numbers that we we came up with uh, for Marcus Williams? Because I think again that would be a huge get. Yeah, about four years is what we're looking at. Uh, 14.2 million on an annual in terms of an annual salary guaranteeing about 27 million, um, something like that. Uh, so that, that's what about, you know, you're looking at with Marcus Williams and in terms of how I feel about him and just the safety market in general, this is gearing up to be a, uh, a free agency class where safety looks like a strength of it, if not the best position at it. And, you know, that's 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 very good because the Jacksonville Jaguars have a very, very pressing need at safety. I could argue, I don't know about you, Phil, but I could argue that the Jaguars may need two safeties instead of one. Um, but, you know, if you don't, you know, if you kind of want to, I guess, to use the term uh, cut corners, if you will, you can you could keep Wilson out there as the guy with uh with Williams or whoever you get in free agency, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I mean, me personally, what I would do, and this is just me, I would get a guy like Williams or a guy like um John Johnson uh from from the Rams. And then what I would do is uh, also get another safety and free up uh, in the draft as well. And I will make those two guys my starting safety because I mean I've never really been on the Wilson hype train like some people have. I mean, like for me. It's just like, he's not bad, but at the same time, like we don't see Wilson making a lot of plays. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not a playmaker. And, you know, to a degree, you need a playmaker in the backfield at uh, at the safety position. You need at least one. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I know, I think he got a pick this year on the Texans or something like that. But like, that was like one of literally one of the first times I've seen <laughs> Wilson make like a big time play uh, since he's been here. Yeah. But um, that being said, yeah, I would definitely take Marcus Williams, as you said. Uh, just you, the Jaguars have to, whether it's him or one of these other safeties, like I said, whether it's John Johnson from the Rams or whatever the case may be, they have to take advantage of this class if these teams are going to let these safeties hit the market because it's about four or five good ones that could be available. And with that being such a pressing need for the Jags, why not if you're them? You know what I'm saying? Like, go ahead. And I mean, what you want to do in free agency anyway is you, you don't come in there with like, necessarily i mean yeah you'll identify some people that you want or whatever the case may be but the goal of the, is to come out of free agency right and have it to where you can go in a draft and just go best available player is what you want to do if you can uh so we'll see how it goes um they have again 82 million dollars you can you could do a lot of things with that and uh, marcus williams would definitely be a guy i would be eyeing if i was them yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, we're not saying that they're going to get all of these guys. We're just trying to point out some of the uh, viable targets that we think are definitely going to be in play here in Jacksonville. Uh, so again, Jay, just to finish up the defensive side of things uh, and, and on a scale from one to 10, you know, where does Marcus Williams fit in terms of, uh, you know, his, his uh, ability to, to slide into this defense? Yeah. Like, like PFF said, like he's, he can fit in any scheme pretty much. I mean, the way he plays and, uh, I mean, I would I would even say like he's a nine ten or something like that because of um you look at his run grade on PFF, which is pretty good, or from last year at least. I think uh, to my knowledge, it was like an eighty nine, and uh, that's huge for uh, this this defense because uh, Joe Cullen had a young man by the name of Deshaun Elliott in the Ravens defense who showed up against the run quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That show <laughs> shout outs to the horns, right? 
that showed up uh, quite well in the uh, run game. And I mean, like every time I watched the Ravens, it was like Deshaun Elliott was lighting somebody up. And you can certainly see why, like, they had faith when they let Earl Thomas go, um, because like their safety play to me, at least from what I've seen in, in uh, Baltimore, uh, was pretty solid. And, and Marcus Williams would bring that and uh, maybe even bring that sort of an element to this defense. I could see them really falling in love with him in free agency and doing whatever it takes to get him. Well, yeah, a whole lot of exciting names to keep an eye on, Jay. We're going to move to the offensive side here in just a moment, but really quick, we want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay. Now, whether it's rare dead stock or the latest released, find the exact shoe you're looking for. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on all sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. All right, Jay. So let's move on to the offensive side of things here. We'll start with our first player, which is Curtis Samuel. He's a guy that we actually, uh, I think you actually wrote about recently in terms of fit here in Jacksonville. Of course, he played under Urban Meyer at Ohio State. He is ranked 44th in terms of the PFF free agency rankings. He had a 77 overall grade last year. Uh, Let me read you guys what they have to say about him. Perhaps one of the more under-the-radar storylines of the entire 2020 season is Curtis Samuel's rebirth in Carolina under new head coach Matt Rule and offensive coordinator Joe Brady. When Carolina signed speedster Robbie Anderson this offseason, some thought it could spell the end of Samuel's time in Carolina. He's long been rumored in trades as he approaches the end of his rookie contract, but his 2020 campaign changes the situation entirely. Samuel and Anderson really aren't very similar in their playing styles, and Joe Brady has accentuated Samuel's strengths in an impressive fashion. So, Jay, obviously we have a receiver here, and we put him on this list over Allen Robinson, which we'll probably speak on here in just a moment. Um, but Curtis Samuel, I, I think would definitely be a good fit. Now, the question I have for you is, does the signing of Curtis Samuel kind of mean uh, the writing is on the wall for a guy like Keelan Cole here in Jacksonville? Yeah, I think it would. You know, that Curtis Samuel is your replacement for Keelan Cole, if if it happens, in my opinion, at least. Uh, but that being said, I mean, you look at you look at the totality of this receiving core, they're probably going to not they're probably not going to re-sign DD. They're probably not going to re-sign Chris Conley. They're probably not going to re- uh, Well, we'll see what they do with Keelan Cole. But if you lose Keelan Cole and you lose um, Chris Conley, the thing is you're losing a great deal of speed in the receiving court, okay? And you're keeping a lot of your six-foot-two guys, your six-foot-three guys like Colin Johnson, like LaVisca. You're keeping your physical guys. And, I mean, you, you still got Chark who, you know, who runs like four-three speed in terms of straight-line speed. Uh, but again, you know, just looking at that in terms of that, and even if you include D.D. Westbrook in that, losing those guys, you're losing three guys that are your arguably your three fastest people on the team, perhaps. You know what I'm saying? If you're looking at it in terms of what they ran in terms of their 40 times and all that stuff. So I feel like that, along with, I guess you could say, Urban Meyer's love for speed, we all seen his offenses of the past. Uh, of course, like with all of the Florida fans that uh, listen to our podcast, 
Percy Harvin, Chris Rainey, you know, just these speedsters that he loved. You know, Curtis Samuel fits that mold, especially the Percy Harvin role. Um, again, like this is not to say like it's going to be exactly what they ran in Florida or Ohio State. You know, this is it could be more so Darryl Bevel's scheme. But, you know, you have to think that Urban Meyer is going to have an influence and a heavy influence on the scheme and, and you know, the personnel and uh, the vision, as he's put it in his own words. Uh, so why not get a guy you're familiar with? Why not get a guy you recruited? Probably. Um, I don't know if it was him that recruited Samuel or one of his assistants, but Bottom line is Urban Meyer coach Curtis Samuel. It's a good fit. It adds speed into the mix, and uh, it gives the guy, the Jags a gadget guy that they can move all over the field. Although, you know, you got to wonder, like, what that means for LaVisca Chenault, who's a guy who kind of moves everywhere as well. So, I mean, I would be uh, happy with getting Curtis Samuel. I mean, I love his highlights of him, like, juicing people in the middle of the field and breaking ankles. Like, I'm all for it. But, um, you know, people may vary on that opinion. You know, people may want Allen Robinson, who I like as well. I mean, of course, I mean, duh, because it's Allen Robinson. But, I mean, I think Curtis Samuel is a fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think he could be a guy that's on their radar. And remember what, um, for those of you that, that didn't get a chance to yet to listen to it, definitely go back and, and check out our discussion with Will Blackman. And I asked him specifically about what the uh, what bringing in Allen Robinson means for all these other receivers, like we just talked about, LaVisca, DJ, Colin Johnson. And he stated, these are his words, he said it would it was not worth it. He said you definitely need to continue building on the interior, on, on the lines on both sides. Um, you know, offensive line maybe not necessarily be as, as much of a need, but we'll get to offensive linemen here in just a moment, actually. But, you know, he did mention that, and, and I think that was a really good point. You know, I would absolutely, would I be ecstatic to have Allen Robinson back? Absolutely. I'm not going to complain about it whatsoever. But, you know, I do wonder what it, what happens to the other receivers. And most likely because I'm such a big Holland Johnson fan, of course, with him being from UT. But also LaVisca is one of my favorite up and coming players. You know, I'm, I'm wondering what that does to their development. And what were the numbers that we came up with for, for Curtis Samuel J? I don't remember if you mentioned it or not. I did not. Um, and I forgot whose contract. I was trying to research whose contract I based this off of. Uh, but I guess that's kind of irrelevant. Was, but we was it Tyler Boyd? It might have been Tyler Boyd. Some... Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it may it may have been. For those who want to go back and look, it may have been. Uh, four years, $43 million is what we got for him in terms of uh, the, the contract we were looking for him. So, you know, again, like, you know, the, for the Jacksonville Jaguars with $82 million, this is significantly cheaper than going with Allen Robinson, who we'll talk about in a minute and how much that'll cost. <laughs> I've already seen people say, oh, I don't, oh, no, I don't want to pay that much for Allen Robinson. Hey, but look, at the same time, you know, you have to, as, as Snoop Dogg's old album said, you got to pay the cost to be the boss. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is what it is. The, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks had to pay the cost to get where they are. You know, they spent a lot of money on Tom Brady and so on and so forth last year. You know, you don't you don't become a Super Bowl contender by being cheap. And I, I know a lot of people say you build through the draft. That's absolutely right. You build through the draft. But it comes a time where every franchise has to spend some money. We've even seen it with the Kansas City Chiefs. They had to spend money, albeit on their own players. It comes a time where you have to spend money to get well, to they paid Frank Clark, though. Yeah. You know, they kept, I mean, look, they, and another team that a lot of people, you know, will argue has shown us uh, one of me and Phil's favorite say, saying is that the salary cap is fake. Another team to keep in mind that has been paying the cost to be where they are, the Los Angeles Rams. 
paid Jalen Ramsey, paid Aaron Donald. Those two are the highest paid people in their positions, in their respective positions. Paid Todd Gurley at one point. Yeah, Kenny Stills uh, paid golf as well. And they still might be paying for golf's contract, some of it at least, you know what I'm saying? Like the old Nick Foles, you know, like us last year, we were paying on some of his money and dead money or whatever the case may be. So um, that being said, I think Curtis Samuel would be a good fit. He's familiar with Urban Meyer. He uh, he brings speed into the mix that you would be missing if you lose Keelan Cole and uh, Didi and Chris Conley. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would be excited about that. I can't speak for anybody else. So again, because it kind of sounds like you are, you were just a little bit hesitant because you were wondering what it means for LaVisca, but Curtis Samuel on a scale from one to 10, you know, how does he fit? That's a good question. I think, okay, so with Urban Meyer's familiarity with Curtis Samuel and him coming out and saying that, hey, like, I have a vision in place. If he gets Curtis Samuel, you better believe that he has a plan for both him and LaVisca, and he has a plan that, you know, he plans on making it work. So I wouldn't really worry about that, And you know, from a standpoint. I mean, me personally, when I was, you know, thinking about it schematically, it seems like it could be some conflict, but I mean, I think Urban Meyer is, is like such a visionary in terms of where he projects the offense to be like, he'll, he'll figure it out. And Daryl Bell has been in the league, what, 20 years in terms of like how long he's been in the league. So I won't worry about it. I'll say like an eight, something like that. That's what I was leaning to. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, all right, well, let's move on to the next uh, player here on this list, Jay. And that is someone we're very familiar with in the division. And that is Jonu Smith, tight end out of Tennessee. If anything, I want to see this guy come here so we can get the hell out of, you know, we can stop playing him twice a year. Uh, he's he's uh, 32nd in PFF's rank for free agents, 74 PFF grade last season. Uh, here's what they had to say about him. Smith's calling card in the NFL has been his work after the catch, where he has averaged 6.8 yards after the catch per reception over his career. We've seen that firsthand. Uh, in 2019, he broke off. 14 tackles on just 41 receptions to average seven and a half yards after the catch per reception as part of the vastly improved Titans offense with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. His threat is less of a secret in the NFL to teams in 2020. And he has found a little more difficult and he has found it a little bit more difficult to escape for big plays, but he still finished with a career high 75.2 PFF grade. Smith has yet to be a high volume target in the offense. His career high in targets over a season is still just 63 a more prominent role that taps into Smith's receiving skills could lead to a big increase from Smith's career highs of 41 catches and 448 receiving yards. Smith will be an enticing prospect for a team with a major need at tight end that will look to scale up his opportunity and see a corresponding jump in his impact on the offense. Smith's blocking game is weaker in this area of his game, but that has become less of an issue for the position as the years have gone by. So, Jay, I think we've been talking about filling a need at tight end for years now. You know, until Josh Oliver proves me right, uh, he doesn't appear to be the guy. So, John Smith is a guy we put here on the list. Uh, you look at the other tight ends on this list, Hunter Henry, they have ranked 10th. Um, that's probably a guy that I, I don't know that they're going to let him go or that we're going to want to pay the kind of money that he's probably going to demand. Uh, Gerald Everett, another guy on here. Gronk shouldn't even be on the free agent list, honestly. Uh, Jared Cook was, of course, just released by the New Orleans Saints. That's a name that is floating around out there, but I, we went with John Smith on this list. So what were the numbers that we, um, that we got for him as well as, you know, what, what we think about that fit for pairing him up with you know, a rookie quarterback that's going to look to uh, look for guys that he can rely on early on. Yeah. So we went with something along the lines of Austin Hooper's deal last year. Uh, I, I think this was based on, yeah, this was based on Austin Hooper's deal four years, 42.5 million. 
is a you know roughly what you could be looking at something like that uh let's see what austin hooper's deal uh averages out to be real quick so yeah it averages at about 10.5 million if i'm looking at it right on uh over the cap so i mean like in terms of the fit and all of that now with with Janu, i think i think he's a player that's waiting to explode in the right offense um, because you look at it, I mean, like with with him, he's been in Tennessee so long, and like their thing has been just you know give it to Derrick Henry, give it. To, I mean, and I guess we can't solely say that because they have two good receivers as well, Corey Davis and uh, AJ Brown over there as well. But I mean, it's only one ball, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody can't you know flourish in that scheme. Which you know you got those two guys on the outside, you got Derrick Henry. Uh, running the ball and continuing or consistently, I, I know at least he's what two times led the league in rushing or something like that. Uh, somebody's gonna get left out of the equation in terms of statistics, and uh, it seems like it's been John o. Smith. And I mean, like if we get John o. Smith, uh, we sign him to a deal. The first person that needs to meet him at the door after that and give him a hug is Dewey Wingard because he was cooking Dewey Wingard uh, last year. It wasn't pretty at all, and I know we all can remember it. I think he caught. I think he got like two touchdowns on him, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote yep. me on that or something like that. That was something cool. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, John who just he, I mean, he's just been a nuisance for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I mean, I think like what really could intrigue the Jags with John Lou Smith, not only have their scouts seen him, you know what I'm saying, firsthand in terms of the division. Uh, but I think the X factor here, and you spoke on it, Dave Caldwell struggled a lot to find somebody at that tight end position. And I think that is where as much as we've knocked Trent Baalke, that's somewhere he can help us out at. Because you look at his history in San Francisco, you know, tight end wasn't an issue uh, with, with the 49ers. I think they had, was it Delaney Walker they had? And they might have had Vernon Davis during that time. So, like, I think Trent Baalke might be a guy that knows a thing or two about, uh, you know, the tight end position. And I, I think, you know, John o. Smith may have a little bit of Delaney Walker in him, if you will, as well. So, like, he might remind Balky of him in a way, um, just a tad maybe. So that being said, like I can definitely see that happening. They're familiar with them. And I mean, like you, you never can go wrong by stealing somebody from the Titans who, I mean, most would say are our most uh, despised rivals. Absolutely. And as I mentioned, you know, if anything, just get him out of the division. So we don't have to play, we don't have to play him anymore. I mean, like you said, he definitely, uh, you know, had his way with us last season. Maybe he can, if he doesn't come here, maybe he can go somewhere like, Detroit, where we only play them once every four years. Let's hit up Honolulu Blue, who we had on earlier in the year, and see if they can they can put in a word for for him. Uh, now, I guess I'll, the before we move on to the last target here, Jay, um, you know, would you? I guess when it comes down to it, uh, what we know we're talking about a lot of tight ends in the draft. First of all, I want to address this because we keep seeing it in Jaguars wire comments. Yeah, we read all the comments, guys. We see all those comments. We're not getting Kyle Pitts. All right, Kyle Pitts is being mocked third overall. He's a tight end. He's being mocked three, <laughs> number three overall. We're not getting Kyle Pitts. He's not going to be there at 25. You guys need to start looking at a guy like Pat Fryermuth, who is just destroying people in, in college. You know, of course, Kyle Pitts is the one that's going to get all the uh, a lot of the attention, but we're not getting him. So you need to look at a guy like Fryermuth. So Jay, when you look at that, you know, I think maybe we'll probably uh, line up uh, similarly on this as opposed to paying a guy like John who, again, I, I, I echo what you said. I think he's just waiting to be the next breakout tight end star in the league. 
you know, you'd probably rather go the route of, of drafting a guy like this, but also you've said in the past, you know, this is something we think about uh, rookie tight ends don't usually uh, produce very much if at all in their rookie year. So where would you go? Do you want that instant gratification, that instant turnaround that you might get from a John or would you rather bring in a guy like Pat in the draft and, and, and hope for the best? Yeah. I'll say this too. Like the, the thing about, getting Kyle Pitts, ladies and gentlemen, as Phil said, and I'm a firm believer of it, tight ends don't produce that well in their first years. So, I mean, my thing is, like, what it would take to trade up all the way up to the top 10 to even get him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of draft compensation you got to give up. Probably a one in in either this draft or next year's draft, whatever the case may be. For a tight end. Yep. For a tight end to give you – 300 yards in his rookie season, you know, and it's not worth it. And it looked like, even if you look past what, how me and you feel about it, right. Look at it from the standpoint of urban Meyer, who has said he wants to win immediately. We know urban Meyer didn't come here to lose even, even if that's reality or not, you know, like, and he's not, his team is not going to get better. Probably chances are with seeing how the history of tight ends, rookie tight ends has gone. Chances are getting Kyle Pitts is probably, uh, not going to help him change his win or loss total that much. You know, and he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, he'd probably rather go with at that particular position for a guy that wants to win now or be as close to uh, the playoffs as possible. Uh, we'll see how it goes because the Jazz only won one game, you know, like they're going to have to make a lot of improvement. <laughs> but uh, that being said, though, yeah, for Urban Meyer, who wants to win now, that just doesn't make sense. And I know Matt, um, uh, Dan Mullen is his good friend. That's basically his left hand or his right hand. Um, you know, that was his assistant for years and years in college. You know, that was his guy. Um, and, you know, he basically has a scouting report on Kyle Pitts, and that's Dan Mullen. I know that. I get all of that. And I, I get all of the ties to Florida. But it just doesn't make sense for a team that wants to win immediately or, you know, get as close to the playoffs as possible immediately. So you guys don't want that because if the Jazz – get Kyle Pitts and then Urban Meyer wins five games and he's like hey I want out of here you know everybody will definitely be mad but that but um you know just wanted to throw a little joke in there but anyway uh, that being said man yeah I'd rather go with you know the sure-handed or, or should I say the the proven veteran guy in John or even you know Hunter Henry's fine it'll cost a little bit more but you know just when it comes to the tight end position yeah I would definitely prefer to go with the veteran I mean you look at it like George Kittle, if I'm not mistaken, and Travis Kelsey. I can't think of their stats off the top of my head, but you look at their first two or three years, like they weren't always the stars that they are today. It took them a while to kind of get there. Yeah, those were names we didn't know for a while. I mean, of course, we were just talking about Gronk for the longest time, and that was pretty much it. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Delaney Walker, we knew, of course, because he was here in the division. But, I mean, it was kind of Gronk for, for a long time, and that was about it. Right, right. And, um, you know, like, I guess, you know, right. It's, it's rare. Uh, but like you said, with, with Friar Muth, too, you know, that's a guy to watch out for because uh, we have um, the assistant on our staff, Tyler Bowen, who is his positions coach. Again, going back to what I was saying, basically, you got a scouting report for him on the team right there, a walking scouting report. So that's something to look out for. Um, call me crazy. I wouldn't mind getting John Lou and Firemuth. I probably, you know, that's probably not reality, but I wouldn't mind it. <laughs> we still have Josh Oliver, damn it. We still have him. This is it. This is the year. 
right, right. I mean, if I'm get, dying on this hill. <laughs> right, right. If you get, I mean, you get John who you probably, if you do get a tight end in the draft, you're probably looking for a guy that's going to primarily serve as a blocker more so. Um, I'll be like, like PFF said, like blocking ain't really that big of a deal at the tight end position anymore. Like, you know, nobody's uh, going out there looking for Mercedes Lewis like we were many, many years ago, basically. But um, yeah, I mean, I would take John o. Smith. You you snatch somebody from a, a division rival. You got somebody with untapped potential, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, you got somebody that I could see the Jaguars staff and front office really liking. All right, Jay. Well, let's move on to the very last guy on our list here. And he's actually the the highest ranked person out of these six people. Now, we will talk about Allen Robinson here in just a moment. But we put Trent Williams on the list. Now, he is ranked fifth in PFF's free agent rankings, had a 91.9 overall PFF grade. That was first amongst tackles, by the way. And here's what PFF has to say about Trent. After not playing a snap in 2019, Williams is back in his rightful place as one of the league's best offensive tackles. He can play in any scheme, moving defenders at the point of attack or cutting them off on the backside of zone plays while linebackers must keep their head on a swivel because he attacks the second level with a vengeance. Williams has basically never had a bad season in the NFL with his rookie year being by far his lowest overall PFF grade. He has posted, which was a 63.4. He hit at least a 75.6 mark in every other season and 2020 is now the third time he's led all offensive tackles in the PFF grade, the 91.9 I just mentioned. He has shown elite level play in multiple schemes and now multiple cities. And he looks capable of being the next great left tackle to play well into the 30s at a high level. So we did mention that there. He is 32 years old, um, and uh, you know he'll probably command somewhere between a three and four year deal. And Jay, this is kind of one of the guys that we that we mentioned uh, that is probably going to demand you know top tier money um, as far as when you look at the list of, of highest paid uh, guys at their position. So Trent Williams, you know, a guy again we've mentioned a lot here. We've talked about, of course, Orlando Brown within the last couple of weeks as well. And, uh, you know, where does Trent Williams fit? And, you know, what kind of money do you think it will cost to bring him uh, out here? Yeah, so I got him on like roughly a three-year deal that averages $23.1 million. And that average on a year might be a little generous too. <laughs> he might want 24 or 25, but I went with 23.1. That would still on average make him the highest paid uh, in, in terms of his position, because I think it was David Bakhtiari that recently signed a deal that we had looked at here. Let me pull it up. Yeah, David Bakhtiari, uh, he averages $23 million a year. The next, in terms of average, is Larry Tonsil, $22 uh, million a year. So, yeah, I think Trent Williams could top that despite being his age. Uh, and even, even at that cost, though, with the Jaguars having so much available cap space, for me, I can't speak for anybody else. I don't know about you. It's okay that they overpay Trent Williams. And I'm saying this even with the mindset. Me, you spoke on this a few weeks. Trent Williams missed, what, two or three games a year. Even with that being the case, I take yep. personally, I can't speak for anybody else. I take Trevor Lawrence's health serious and keeping him upright serious. And if that costs me. Case in point, Joe Burrow. Yep. If that costs me $23 million a year, $23.1 million a year, I'm fine with it. That's a, a price I'm willing to pay because I've seen, I've seen the Joe Burrow story, as Phil said. I've seen the Andrew Luck story who is no longer in the league, you know. Um, although, you know, I think we've had this, this uh, discussion with Arden. You know, they fixed the offensive line, but the problem is they fixed the offensive line 
uh, you know, right around it was too the, late. Yeah, it was too late right around the end of his career or when he was already gone. Um, and we, you know, even I think it was uh, is it Deshaun Watson as well that, you know, early in his career, he took a he took a beating, too, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, Sean Watson, Russell Wilson, they're getting beat up. Right. And look. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point. Look at all of this stuff we we're hearing with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. You know what I'm saying? Like neither side is necessarily saying they want a divorce, but they're still pointing fingers at each other they're in counseling yeah basically that they're that <laughs> boyfriend and girlfriend that's always fussing with each other but never break up with each other that's that's the stage they're at right now well all, all russell's stuff is in seattle you know he doesn't want to just move it right there you, <laughs> there you go you can't, you can't just leave i, I know what he's, would be the he's got a drawer in seattle <laughs> the x factor would be if sierra say i want to get up out of here that's probably that's that's what's going to draw the line right there it's yep. going to be the last string he's going to be like okay pete carroll Wifey say she won out. We getting out of here. <laughs> Whether that's uh, Chicago or uh, who, who else is being uh, associated with his name? I know Chicago is the big New Orleans, right? New Orleans, um, Dallas is is out right. there as well. Uh, you know, you know, make a good point here, Jay. Before you you continue, because look at the history here in Jacksonville. Now, this is going to be. I don't think I'm I'm out of line saying this either, Jay. This is the most high profile name that's ever going to be associated that has ever been associated with Jacksonville, right. And Trevor Lawrence and look at the history of at least just in the last few years, Jan, Jalen, um, Allen Robinson, these guys have left and you're now seeing the quarterback come into a position in the NFL where they have more power than they ever had. They were already the most powerful position in sports. Maybe you don't want Trevor Lawrence in five years to say, I'm getting, I'm getting tossed around out here. I don't want to be here anymore if they're not going to invest in my safety and my career. So absolutely, like you said, you overpay for a guy that's 32 years old, but and that may miss a few games, but is one of the best at his position. That tells Trevor Lawrence, hey, we're going to protect you because we value your, your value, for lack of a better term, and we know what you're bringing to this franchise so yes absolutely throw the brinks truck at this guy the truck that you didn't give to jalen see if jalen still has that guy in retainer and give that truck to trent williams yeah shout outs to uh his last name is davis the comedian that uh was uh that did the intro for Jaylen. that's right yeah, yeah. Uh, he's funny I-, I like his stuff um but yeah man I'm, I'm with you man if i mean especially when you have the money of it that's the thing man like all of these people that are saying, oh, who we're go- again, we're going to talk on this. Oh, don't pay Allen Robinson that much and how much he's going to command. Or, oh, don't pay Trent Williams that much and how much he's co- is going to command. Well, when it comes to the safety of Trevor Lawrence, I'm willing to pay. I'm, I really am. I'm okay with it. And, um, again, I just don't, you know, and, and like you said, I feel like for me, that just speaks volumes. Here you are. You haven't even taken a snap in the NFL, and we're paying a 32-year-old left tackle $23.1 million a year, probably more, you know, again, I said that was a generous, that, that may be generous. We'll see. Like we might see this deal and be like, Oh my God, like this guy forever changed the age bracket for left tackles in terms of what he could make. Um, but again, if I get Trent Williams for 12, 13, 14 games um, playing at the high level that he's been playing and you know, you have to put, uh, one of your backups in there for two games, I'll take it. 
because when Trent Williams is on that field for the 14 games that he's on the field, uh, you know, you chances are you don't really have to worry about Trevor Lawrence on the blind side. Now, look, it's a whole different story with uh, Juwan Taylor at the right tackle position. But, you know, that's another reason, though. Like, you know, you're bringing in a veteran that can help him, uh, you know, get the, the technical aspect of things down because he struggled last year and he, he regressed from his rookie year. So, you know, you just need that veteran presence from that standpoint. Um, it's a matter of, I mean, he can't be, Trent Williams can't be ch- franchise tag. Uh, I, I would say his probability to test the market is high because he knows if he hits the market, it's going to be a bidding war for him. It'll be kind of like, you know, I don't know why this came to mind, but you remember when Olivier Vernon hit the open market and it was just this ridiculous bidding war for him and the Jazz got yep. involved. Thank he used God. us. He used yeah. us. Thank God we missed on that one because that would have been wasted money. Oh, man, I'm so glad they outbid us on it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, he knows it's going to be a bidding war on the open market for him. And who is better equipped to win that bidding war than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have the most salary cap in the NFL? And not only that, again, going back to what we said, and Allen Robinson said this himself on the podcast with Chris Collinsworth yesterday. So players pay attention to this. You're coming to a state that has no state income tax. So you'll be the highest paid guy and you're getting a little extra on the side. You know, we'll see what Trent's mindset is. Maybe he wants to go somewhere where he can be a winner because he's up there in age, which is understandable. But if it's about money, the Jacksonville Jaguars should be able to win that sweepstakes. And that would also help them to avoid a situation where they have to give up their first round or second round pick for Orlando Brown, which I'm okay with. Because again, it's about Trevor Lawrence's health, okay? If that, if you can't get Williams, I'm okay with getting Orlando Brown and whatever it would take to protect him because I want the quarterback protected at the end of the day. So we'll see. Um, That'll be probably one of the biggest names to watch. But, I mean, yeah, sure, Leonard Williams is my top guy. I guess you could say Trent Williams would be my number two. So before we move on and wrap this episode up, Jay, and talk about Allen Robinson, I I do want to talk about two teams that I think would worry me in terms of uh, some kind of bidding war. Now, again, Jacksonville can outbid anybody. All right. They got the money. They can do so. Now, w- when you look at teams that are possibly possible suitors for Trent Williams, other teams, you're looking at the Colts. Now, of course, they just spent a lot of capital to bring in Carson Wentz, who they are going to go all in on, you assume. And of course, they're a team that they probably think that they're not that far off. Right. And then the other team is the team we just mentioned is Cincinnati. Cincinnati, you know, that maybe try to fix a problem that they already should have taken care of and think, holy crap, we need, we need to protect Joe Burrow, who is, you know, going to be maybe the only guy that's outdueled Trevor Lawrence uh, during his time there. And then, you know, shout out to Justin Fields. He did that one game too. But, you know, maybe the Bengals. Now, Trent Williams, I think, has, I don't, I, I believe I saw this mention that he wants to go somewhere he can win. So do you think that gives a slight edge? to the Colts because they may they may at least appear on paper to be closer to being ready than Jacksonville is. Yeah, I think so. They should they the Colts should people and I don't understand it. The Colts should concern people in this division. I've said this many times Frank Wright is a very good coach in my opinion. Um uh Chris Ballard is a top 5 GM in his league. And if they get him in that building, they get in and say they start talking to him is pretty much over, I would think, because they're like probably going to like $45 million dollars to play with, too. Yeah, they're going to convince him to stay. You know, like, they, they're probably not letting him leave that building. Um, And, and that's crazy because Trent Williams could 
go on a tour because he he just would you know demand that kind of respect and that kind of attention but if it was one team that i would say that he would go and they probably could keep him in the building and woo him it's probably them you know even and that's even with carson wentz who again carson wentz has looked terrible the last few years right but you know Who's to say, again, like I'm a big believer in Frank Wright. Who's to say Frank Wright can't turn his career around? And not only that, too, like I think what's going to help Carson Wentz, I'm not saying he's going to be like what he was, you know, earlier in his tenure. But I'll say this, like what concerns me about him being a better player is now he'll have a run game. We all seen Jonathan uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, juke the living daylights out of uh joe schobert almost broke his ankles you know <laughs> he just he just ran and they still got Hines too yeah so. they got Hines. um by the way marlon mack is on the free agent market too um mm-hmm. not that i want to spend money on a running back but i like that guy though he, he's pretty good um but yeah that you're right people should be concerned with that even with carson wentz playing the way he's played the last two years um they probably can convince him like hey we're going to get carson wentz on track and i'm talking about williams here and uh, but to get him on track, we need you in this equation is how they're probably going to put it. Um, so like at that point, it becomes like everybody's been praising Urban Meyer and the job he's been done. At that point, it becomes a matter of can Urban Meyer sell Trent Williams on his vision? Can he make Trent Williams believe the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be what we believe is a winner quickly, at least in Urban Meyer's mind? He believes they can win quickly. Can he sell Trent Williams on that vision? If he can, maybe you stand a chance. Maybe. We'll right. see. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with also um, the, you know, how how maybe how the rest of Regency plays out for Jacksonville. Because, you know, if Trent Williams, if he's coming in here and he sees that Jacksonville is also bringing in a Leonard Williams on the other side, Marcus Williams, Allen Robinson. You know, I, I definitely think that, that could have an effect on his decision as well. You know, we, who knows how, how fast these talks are going to go when it comes to these guys, you know, it's always all over the place every year, but if Trent Williams, a, a guy that, you know, sees Jacksonville making moves with this money that they have accumulated, then that could speak volumes for sure. And, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, the other thing, if, if Trent Williams uh, does go to Indianapolis, uh, Jaguar fans, uh, blame Anthony Costanzo because he just had to retire and now they are going to be in the market for a Trent Williams. Jay, what, what, yeah, go ahead. You're going to say something else. Yeah, I was going to say, um, yeah, in terms of you make a good point. there. I never looked at that, seeing that they, you know, if they get like an Allen Robinson before him or they get a Leonard Williams before him, you know, that could convince him. But yeah, that could speak volumes because that basically says, like, as you just said, like, hey, they're trying to get better quickly. And, you know, like they're building up the other side of the ball. That's a concern, uh, which, yeah, definitely. I mean, for crying out loud, they were one of the last in, in the league. But, you know, the when you see them putting that much detail and that much money into the other side of the ball, which was horrendous last year, maybe that can that could convince him. Uh, but again, we'll see. Well, let's get into the very last uh, player we're going to talk about here. Uh, you know, we did, of course, want to name three on each side of the ball, but we wanted to, you know, give a special spot for Allen Robinson because, of course, his familiarity with the area. And there's been just so much talk with not only, you know, here amongst the fan base, but from Allen Robinson himself. We've talked about it. You know, he's uh, he, he said it'd be nice to play with, you know, the next quarterback prodigy, of course, referring to, to Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's definitely not 
being shy about it. He said he would he wouldn't mind coming back here to play. Now, I guess, Jay, you know, first we'll talk about the numbers, uh, you know, as far as what he would command in terms of salary. And also, do you think he's just trying to, you know, I, I, I don't know. It seems like a return to Chicago is probably out of the question. So it doesn't seem like he's doing this to kind of play his cards with Chicago. Do you think he's saying this to try and uh, entice other suitors to maybe up their uh, up their price as far as what they're going to offer him? Or do you think there's genuine interest here from A-Rob to come back and, and, and suit up for the Jaguars again? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, gen- uh, you know, I think it's genuine interest because I think what is, what's happening is his agent is telling him to, you know, to, to be responsible with what you say, um, be open to what you say, because at this, you know, at this point in your career, you can earn a lot of money and don't rule anything off the table because it's some teams that's going to pay you out there. If you can hit the market, that's another story because I think the Chicago bears would probably franchise him at worst, to be honest with you. And I know he's not going to like it and this, that, and the other, but yeah, I do think his, his um, interest in going elsewhere is genuine. I think he's open. And I think like, I think what plays into this a lot is because the last deal he signed with the Chicago Bears, you can argue that he left money on the table. And that was partly because that, you know, he was coming off the ACL injury and this, that, and the other. Like, you could argue that he maybe should have made a little bit more money. And him and Richard Sherman said this in the podcast with Chris Collinsworth, or Richard Sherman did. He was like, look, this guy is being underpaid. And that, that was talking about his tenure uh, with the Bears. Uh, and, and, you know, like Allen Robinson's mindset, you know, it was just a three-year deal. He said this. I remember listening to it or seeing it in a, uh, a article. He said it himself, like, um, you know, we'll revisit resigning in two more years. So basically, you know, they were going to, re- the plan was to revisit resigning, you know, at the point that they did, which was last year. And, you know, he was hopeful that maybe, you know, that he'll get an extension is what was going to happen. Uh, as we all know, you can't trust NFL owners and you can't trust NFL GMs. And uh, that didn't it didn't happen. You know, they went back to the table, but they couldn't find common ground. And from what the reports we've heard, they haven't spoken since like what, September or something they said like that. Um, along yeah, it's been a while. So, I mean, like I, and I think like Alan Robinson. While he is open and, you know, he's just waiting to see what's going to happen. At some point you do kind of, and he said he's not irritated, but you get irritated with these situations and I can't blame him. You threw me out there with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles for three years. And I put up, I still put up the numbers and you still trying to hold back on the money. Like what's up? And we all, you know, people will say, Oh, well, the salary cap, you know, might not allow him to get the deal he wants. We all know the salary cap is fake. We said that. Nope. Fake news. The, the, (laughs) right. That's exactly what it is. The Rams have manipulated the salary cap better than anybody. <laughs> we know this. We see it routinely. Yeah. Okay. He ain't trying to hear that. So they'll probably end up franchise tagging him, um, unfortunately. But in terms of the figures, if he became a free agent, and by the way, they could also tag and trade him. Don't rule that out either. Um, because again, the money, like they they probably want to free up the salary cap, if you will. <laughs> but and they'll get a first round pick for him too, you would think. Uh, but yeah, like in terms of the money, I was looking at a deal like Amari Cooper's, uh, which is what, five years for a hundred million. So yeah, you're looking at about what, 20 million a year, something like that. So again, going back to what I was saying earlier, Allen Robinson, you know, it's the NFL is a next man up type of league. 
So Allen Robinson would probably want to top that. So, you know, maybe 22, 23 million a year, something like that. Maybe get a little bit more guarantees. Um, you know, if Jacksonville wants to go that route, if he becomes available, they can. Uh, the money is certainly there. Um, but the thing is, going back to what I was saying, is the makeup of the receiving core. If you're losing three guys that are your fastest guys, arguably on the team, Cole Conley and D.D. Westbrook, you probably want to replace some of that speed uh, in free agency and spend the money to do so. So, you know, um, Allen Robinson, not saying he's slow, but, um, he, you know, he's definitely not a burner guy. But, I mean, that don't seem to matter because he's been finding ways to get open all these, you know, these three years with the Chicago Bears, despite who he's had at quarterback. Yeah, he's ranked number three in PFF rankings for free agents. Uh, 88.3 PFF grade last year just continues to produce. And a lot of what you just mentioned here, Jay, is what uh, PFF says about him as well. It's impossible not to feel a little bit sorry for Allen Robinson, given the quarterback situations he has dealt with dating back to at least high school. He may have chosen his latest nightmare in Chicago, but the combination of Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles did not encourage much success. Yet Robinson continually excels. Robinson hasn't had an overall PFF grade lower than a 69. Nice in his career or lower than 75 since the 2018 season, his first in Chicago. He consistently showcases excellent hands and contested catch skills, dropping no more than three passes in a season since his time in Jacksonville. Robinson graded out to an 88.4 during the 2020 regular season, fifth best in the league, and he is still only 27 years old. His ceiling with a high-end quarterback could be special. So yeah, Jay, that's uh, you know a lot of what you just mentioned there, and it really just comes down to... Uh, how how sell, sold are you on the current crop of receivers? And do you want to look elsewhere and maybe bring in, like you said, a burner uh, somewhere else to kind of complement the other guys you have? But again, I'm not going to say no to a guy like Allen Robinson for sure. Yeah, I don't think we none of us could. I mean, like they've said it, you know, Chris Collinworth has referred to it and we all have referred to Jacksonville. That's home. You know, even though he's from, I think he's from Michigan, but, you know, it's home. Like we all got us a spot in our hearts for Allen Robinson and like nobody would be mad. Well, I guess the salary cap guys would be mad. Oh my God, you spent a little too much, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, nine times out of 10, most fans would be happy with his return despite what he'd make. And um, yeah, but I mean, this is the thing you get Allen Robinson. Uh, you probably have to attack the receiver spot and find more speed after getting him. Um, that should be the priority, which you can find that in the draft, you know, I've uh, mentioned the kid, the Stevenson kid from Houston in the past. Uh, he's pretty fast. It's, it's it's a good receivers class. So if they get Allen Robinson, they can find some speed in the draft. And, you know, they can fill out the back end of that depth chart at receiver uh, with some of those guys if they wanted to. So, I mean, it, they can go a variety of directions. When you are as bad as the Jaguars, it's multiple paths you could take to becoming better. So I guess that's the one thing you could say that's good about being one in 15. I mean, just to just kind of let you know, when I bring this up a lot, Allen Robinson doesn't even hit the market in Madden, all right, in free agency. The, the Bears don't even let him go in Madden. So, it, you know, I bring that up a lot, but, you know, there's there, it's kind of based in reality there, okay? I'm just I'm just saying. But, uh, yeah, Allen Robinson would definitely be a, a huge get, as would any of these guys, to be honest with you. We definitely would love to see at least one of these guys sign. Um, it, two, I think, would be just a, a, a dream come true, even if you can get a couple of them and then focus on the lower uh, the lower end guys here uh, later on in free agency, and then also build 
continue to build for the draft. But Jay, what, uh, one more th- thing before we get out of here. And I know you wanted to add on. Yeah. You just reminded me of what I wanted to say during the Trent Williams segment. You, when you said the two thing, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Trent Williams. I mean, when you look at the Trent Williams situation, just kind of going back in time here, I know we've already talked about him, uh, but yeah, that's what is realistic for the Jacksonville Jaguars is maybe getting two big names. Like I know, like they have $84 million in cap space, uh, but like, I think fans should go into it with the mindset of being realistic in the sense that they might be able to get two high names. And if they're going to do that, uh, get one on the um, offensive side, which would be probably Trent Williams or Allen Robinson, and then one on the defensive side, which would be uh, Leonard Williams and or, or Marcus Williams or whatever the case may be. Because in the past, we've seen that's kind of that's kind of like the most realistic outlook we've seen. If you go back to 2017, remember that year they got Calais Campbell and I think it was AJ Boye. So they got two big right. names. You never, you never and then really Norrell the next year. Right. You never see a team get like more than two big names. So that's the realistic expectation. So we'll see. All right, folks. Well, there is our list. Who would you like to see join the Jaguars in free agency? Of course, there are plenty of names to choose from. Those are some that we are definitely very high on. Jay, we're going to get out of here in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, let everybody know what we have planned, as well as a, a fun conference call. We're going to be joining next Tuesday to bring you guys a really exciting episode next week. Yeah, man. Um, we'll continue to monitor free agency again. Like I said, just kind of echoing last week. Um, in terms of the Jaguars, I mean, I guess, again, the name you really got to look out for. Cam Robinson, what are they going to do there? We don't know. Um, are they going to sign him to a long-term deal, a reasonable one? Is it the franchise tag? Uh, will they trade for somebody? We'll see. Um, so we'll keep monitoring him. We'll keep monitoring also the rest of these teams in terms of the franchise tag, because, you know, some of these guys could come off the market that we actually named in this podcast because of the franchise tag. We'll see. And uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of the podcast, we'll continue to have guests on, as we said, we just kind of wanted to dedicate this one towards free agency a little bit. I know we didn't do like play the role of a GM type of thing, but we did want to put some time and effort into free agency. Um, But yeah, Tuesday, we have the, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday, we have the conference call we'll be doing with NFL Network talking to Daniel Jeremiah. I know Mel Kuyper had one uh, this week too, by the way. We need to look into that, Phil, getting in on the ESPN ones as well, talking to Mel. Yeah, what the hell, ESPN? Yeah, like, <laughs> I just looked up and was like, oh, Mel Kuyper had a conference call. I was like, oh, we weren't invited, but uh, whatever. <laughs> we'll get on that, right? Um, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll work on that. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we like DJ better anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk. To- <laughs> That's not, I mean, we like your uh, ESPN if you're listening. We, we appreciate it. <laughs> right, right. We, we like any outlet <laughs> that likes us. That's where we at with it. But um, yeah, I mean, Last year, DJ was kind enough to come on the podcast, as you all know. He even answered one of the questions. You know, now I think about it, it was uh, about uh, C.J. Henderson that I asked him about ahead of time. So, yeah, we'll relay all that information to y'all on Twitter. And, uh, you know, we'll transcribe some of it or they'll transcribe it and we'll put some of it on the site if it's anything that pertains to the Jags. And, uh, yeah, man, that should be fun as well. So it's exciting time to be uh, the offseason champions that we are. Uh, our time to shine baby right right we'll see if we actually make some progress we'll see all right folks well again if you're enjoying the show head on over to apple Podcasts and drop that five-star review we appreciate all of you that have done that thus far we would really appreciate it 
Uh, if you are enjoying the show to head on over there and leave that review. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Again, a shout out to our sponsors this week, BetOnline and eBay. If you are interested in advertising on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. You can find the podcast on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. And of course, make sure you're keeping up with the JaguarsWire.com for all of the up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. For my co-host, James Johnson, I am Phil Smith. Don't forget to not only believe in the Jaguars, but believe in yourselves. We will see you next time, you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.